Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Random. Berto Will is your host. Thank you so kind of being part of the show. We are going to have a great show for you today. People, check in, check in, check in. Where art thou? Where art thou? Anyhow, welcome aboard. In the house, we have Melanie Keelan from Barcelona, Spain. Paul Fleming Sr. is in the house from Atlanta. We also have Robert Davenport. How are you doing, my progressive brother? We also have Bridge MCP, the only one. And in the house as well is E2247. And our hero, AVQ. AVQ, update on your legs. Is it all cleared up now? I haven't asked you in a few in a few days, actually. So I, I trust that you're doing all fine. Welcome aboard, peeps. We're going to have a great show for you today. We have a great interview for you today as well with Chuck Pinaccio. We have some uh, some conferences that are coming up that of which yours truly is a part of. And he's going to try to get all of you to sign up and say, hey, let's come out and let's start working towards getting things done. How's everybody doing today? I trust everybody's okay. Uh, you know, I want to say this is serious. And I want your thought about this. Five police officers in Tennessee, I think it's Memphis, beat the crap. Five black police officers uh, beat the crap out of a black young man unnecessarily, apparently. I, I don't know the full story. We don't know the full story. What we do know, however, is that he was beaten to death. And that's a bad thing. And these guys must pay for that. Any ideas you have? How comes, however, we know how cops get the benefit of the doubt all of the times. We know how cops, man, a lot of them that have assassinated people have gotten off. Have you seen how fast this is going down? Two days and there's somebody in custody. All five cops have been charged with many, many cases, justifiably that is. And everybody's ready to convict, as they should. Anybody have any thoughts on this? I would love to hear your thoughts. Today's Friday. Today's Thursday. Today's Thursday. Don't scare me, um, Robert Davenport. And in the house, we also have Tom C., Eric Hayes, who just walked in, and Alistair Waters. Alistair, I hope you saw the video I made of you, but if you hadn't seen the video that I made of you, I went ahead and want to put this on the screen because you know what? I kind of like it and I like the way you look in it, girl. Check this out. Check that out. Sister, Sister Alistair Waters is sporting the new Politics Done Right hat. What you guys think about that? Go to politicsdoneright.com slash store to pick that baby up. Doesn't she sport it very well? I think she does. I think she sports it like a queen. Anyhow, let's get back to the program. Thank you for getting that, Alistair. Thank you for getting that. Uh, that, that is cute. All right, let's continue the show here. Um, let me answer your little questions first. We got... Michael Rodden says, State, Slate, Justice Amy Coney Barrett's opinion for the court denied these veterans and their survivors the ability to obtain benefits retroactively if they filed a claim late, even if the delay occurred because of their disability or some other factor beyond their control. 
It is a painful blow to the military members who were injured while serving their country. I can't understand, according to uh, Rodnin, I can't understand what happened with this at all. Support the troops. I agree. Davenport says, greeting progressives. E2247 says, grand jury has returned indictments against all five officers in the deaths of Tyra Nichols. Second degree murder, aggravated assault, aggravated kidnapping, official misconduct, official oppression. The body cam video will be released Friday after 6 p.m. Oh, my God. When asked if releasing the body cam footage on Friday evening was a good idea for safe safety, they responded that what's on the video is so bad that it will not matter what day or time it is released. Scary, isn't it? Ken Cuccinelli testified before Jack Smith. This is from E2247. Uh, Jack Smith, grand jury today. Ken was head of DHS when Donald asked him to seize voting machines. He was also a candidate to be appointed special counsel to investigate fake election fraud. Eric Hayes says, the Adam Schiff show is running now for office. No, he's running for Senate, but it's cool. Tom C. says, spent half the day shoveling snow. Good time to rest and listen to Egberto and the PDR posse. You've got to be tired. That snow can get heavy. Very, very heavy, especially if it's wet snow. Robert Davenport says, a very good Friday to all of the PDR posse. Are you trying to scare me, Robert? Today is Thursday. Don't scare me. I have, if, if it were Friday, I should have been at KPFT. All right. But he says, hey, Alistair Waters, Melody Keelan, Robert P., Davenport, Tom C., Paul Fleming, E2247. That was a long one. That was a long one. All right, let's continue. Let's continue. What else I've got here to say? AVQ says, Egberto, the Slate article, please check it out after the show. I really can't understand what the Supreme Court is doing. I think the decision was actually, if it's the same one I'm thinking about, it was unanimous. What they're trying to do is avoid a rush of people coming and say, hey, I, you denied me my coverage, which I think is wrong. But, hey. Mike Cisak says, the Navy disability case is in Scudos was a 9-0. Oh, there you go. They said, unfortunately, the law passed by Congress was specific on the issue brought to court. Lee Grant is in the house. He says, hey, y'all. Okay, let's go ahead and listen to Chuck Pinaccio on this particular issue. It has to do with Medicare. And I want you guys to listen keenly. Thank you. Welcome to another edition of Politics Done Right. Today, I'm honored to be with one of my heroes, Dr. Chuck. Welcome to another edition of Politics Done Right. Today, I'm honored to be with one of my heroes, Dr. Chuck Pinaccio, who is the co-founder and president of One Payer States, as well as the founder of uh, for Justice for All Network. Uh, Chuck, welcome to Politics Done Right. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Doing great, Egberto. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Today, we are going to be discussing uh, specifically two issues, of, uh, but basically having to do with what I like to call the destruction of Medicaid, Medicare, but it's done in such a manner that is so esoteric. It is so antiseptic. It's called ACO reach. Why don't you talk to me a little bit about the fight that we're working on right now? Right. Well, like all social reform campaigns, all, all uh, 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 earned benefit, we need to call them earned benefits, not 
entitlements, like all social programs designed to help people, um, no sooner do those the, those pieces of legislation pass, no sooner is the 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 ink signed than the right wing comes after them to just try to undermine them and destroy them. And this is true with Social Security, right, going back to 1935 and fast forward to Medicare and Medicaid in 1965. And the right wing has had designs on privatizing and destroying all of these programs throughout the last, you know, um, nearly 100 years. Um, and this is what we're facing once again. It's coming at us once again. The, I mean, the campaign to destroy, undermine Medicare um, was was fully thrusted during the George W. Bush administration in the form of the prescription Part D part of, of, of Medicare, you know, privatizing that and handing over trillions of dollars to the pharmaceutical industry. Now we're seeing Medicare coming under a new assault. Last year, it was what was called the direct contracting entities. Now it's called ACO Reach, which is Affordable Care Organization, Race, Equity, Access, and Community Health. Doesn't that sound beautiful? It sounds Race, beautiful. Equity, accountability, and community health. I mean, and, and, and it, it's, it's repackaging the same poisonous wine in a different bottle. And so this program actually started on January 1st, just a few weeks ago. Tell us what makes what's the poison. The poison is that you sign up for these what are called these Medicare Advantage programs. So let me let me stop for a second here. In other sure. words, this is Medicare. When you when you had just Medicare Advantage, people had to selectively choose. They'll go with standard Medicare or they'll go with Medicare Advantage. They put a little bit of smoke and mirrors in it now. Tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's 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 a lot of people don't actually, and it's hard to tell. It seems like the the anecdotal evidence we have is about half of the people are pulled into it without their even making right. uh, making a conscious decision. Like this is something I want. You wake up one morning and you're told that you've got this so-called Medicare Advantage program. We call it Medicare Disadvantage. Right. We call it Medicare disadvantage because what it does is it takes your ability to control your own health care away from you at the very moment when you need it. It's very attractive because they throw out like gym memberships and, you know, and 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 uh, swag, you know, they'll, they'll throw some T-shirts and some bags and people will say, wow, I'm getting free stuff. And what you don't realize is that at the point of service, the time that when you when you actually need health care, you're not in control. You're not making the decision. It, it, it is sad. It is sad. Explain a little bit more. Yeah. So Medicare was founded again back in 1965 for the purpose of covering hospital care and and, and primary care. It was basic fundamental standard care for people 65 and above. Let me let me let me stop you for a second there, Chuck, because I want to add another corollary to Medicare being founded. Right. Medicare itself was a was a benefit for insurance companies. Right. They want to only insure healthy people. And as we get older, we all know that we get sicker. So they wanted to take that off the books. They wanted to take old people off the books. They throw it to the government. Let the government take care of those higher costs. Now they want it back in the form of the government paying for that ex- that extended cost, taking the risk away from them. But continue, my friend. 
Right. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. There's uh, corporations. They don't hate the government. They just want the government to do their bidding. They don't, they, they want the subsidies. They want the handouts. This is socialism for the rich. They, this is what corporations are about anymore. State corporatism, which is, you know, what we talk about, it's one of the cornerstones of economic fascism. Mm -hmm. And so what we're getting with Medicare is a, a scheming effort to steal $1.6 trillion that's on the table. That's the Medicare fund. And that's what these privateers, these corporate uh, uh, aggressors are trying to do, is they're trying to rip that money away from the government and rip the control of our health care away from us as patients. Now, as it turns out, you are working very hard with, uh, with several of your, of, of your, your companies or your organizations, specifically one payer states, to try to get sponsorship from politicians, some like Elizabeth Warren or others, to come up with a bit or to, to come up with some kind of an assistance, not only on ACO reach, but on your local healthcare for all it uh, uh, wants. Tell us a little bit about that. Right. Um, so we're in the middle of a, of a campaign and it, so far it's, 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 we've designed it to go out 12 months across the year. And we're, 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 we're educating the public through newsletters, social media um, platforms about what's coming at us, about what's actually happening in real time. And we want to get as many partners involved as possible. So I'd love to hear from folks, get you on 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 mailing lists yes but these are powerful mailing lists we'll get we'll get you the tools to lobby through something we talked about recently called one click politics where we can reach our legislators many of whom Egberto I think a lot of them really have their head in the sand some of them uh, are are aware of what's going on but you know related to this not to deviate too much, but the American hospital uh, uh, industry, they put out a letter every year endorsing Medicare Advantage, and they want members of Congress to sign it. Last session, 340 members of Congress wow. in the House signed this thing, and many of them are actually on with the, the single-payer Medicare for all legislation. So I, I think people are, even legislators are confused. I don't think they, many of them know what they're doing. And realize they don't realize what they're being sucked into. But Medicare Advantage is not an advantage. It's actually a, 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 a misleading use of the term Medicare to begin with by corporate, uh, by corporate privatizers, those who want to destroy Medicare and grab all that money once again and take healthcare decision making as well as funding out of your control. So that's that's the fundamentals right now. And we've got we're working very closely with the group up in Seattle who are helping to drive the strategy. Um, and it would be great for you actually to, to talk to, to, to a couple of those strategists. They're really brilliant people. Um, Puget Sound uh, advocates for retirement action. So it's a very good group. They're very close with Representative Pramila Jayapal. And this is the education and activism that we really need folks to focus on, um, especially with the debt ceiling coming. And, and attacks that are going to be coming again against Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. Just go right down the list of these earned benefits programs. We paid for them. They're not entitlements, they're earned benefits. And we need to make sure that our legislators are paying attention and not listening to the money 
you know, that's coming into their own campaign coffers. Yeah, absolutely. Now, in that light, um, like I said, you work, you you do a lot of work, you do a lot of conferences, etc., to try to educate people. And right now, I believe on February 18th, right. you are put in or you have put one together. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? And likewise, how we can uh, bring audiences to uh, to view what you have to offer. Not what you have to offer, what the your entire uh, your entire organizations have to offer. Yeah, I'm. I'm a. I mean, I see myself as a facilitator. Sure, I have a title, president, but I don't see myself as an authority or in that sense. I'm here to drive these discussions, bring together coalition partners, diversify. You know who we are. Uh, we 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 very intentionally and with your help uh, and uh, uh, Reverend Rodney Sadler and Alex Dietrich, the three of you have been fantastic. In the first two summits, we did one on August 27th, a second one on November 19th, another one upcoming, like you mentioned, February 18th. And we would love for your folks here uh, to join us. It's a virtual event. Uh, it's from 12 to 2 Eastern time, 9 to 11 Pacific. You can find out more uh, by going on the website, onepairstates.org, onepairstates.org. Uh, you can register there. It's free. We want people to participate. But the point of the of these conferences it initially was to be intergenerational, right? Which is to connect all of our generations together. But it's also intentionally cross race, cross class, cross creed, cross geography, cross gender, is that we want everybody who shares our justice for all values. Everybody who shares our justice for all values, because an injustice to one, I believe, is an injustice to all. And if we, and once we begin, and I learned so much from you, Egberto, your empathy is just off the charts. It's your ability to see and identify with the pain of, of people who aren't you, but some of them have common uh, uh, threads with your own existence, right? Things that you've gone through. But it's connecting all of our justice campaigns together and seeing equality and connection between and across all of us, regardless of our condition in life. We all aspire to a justice for all world. And that's the purpose of these conferences. Every three months, the next one coming up is February 18th. And you're going to be running one of these panels. And maybe we can chat a little bit about that. Well, following your lead, first of all, thank you for the uh, kudos. I can tell you that I try to see look through people's eyes and I, I I make sure and learn from everybody. I've learned a lot from you as well, my dear friend. Um, let me just ask you to, um, I, I will be on your panel and I will be adopting the methods that you've created along with the, pan, the, the panels that's putting this together to get it done. Tell us some of the directions that you want those of us who are gonna be on that panel to cover so that our audience that are listening right now would have a feel of what they are going to hear us talk about and how to make things uh, better, both with ACO reach, uh, uh, healthcare for all, et cetera, things that are covering all of us at large. Okay, um, absolutely. Um, so I, this, we want to kick off this event with a, I can't, we don't have it firmed up yet, but probably the leading civil rights 
uh, spokesperson in the country. We want to get this person to come in. I'm not going to drop his name because I don't want to get ahead of the curve, but we want this to be kicked off with a really dynamic presentation on how it is that what we're doing is really uh, in large part a reflection and a continuation of the effective civil rights coalition, right, from back in the 1960s. And this particular conference is going to focus on bringing, is, is, is welcoming, once again, uh, folks from faith communities and having conversation between people in faith communities to people who do not identify with traditional faiths. I think one of the real problems of politics on the left in more recent decades is, is that we've been so unwelcoming to people who share our values, but also happen to belong to a faith community. The skepticism and even cynicism toward those folks is damaging to our ability to succeed. So we want to be intentional in bringing folks together. So what we're doing is we're calling this conference, this upcoming conference, uh, the uh, in- Interspirituality and Justice for All. Interspirituality and Justice for All, which recognizes the, the secular communities, non-religious communities, who also, of course, have a spiritual center and bring them together in conversation with folks who are from more traditional faith, faith-based faith communities. And so that's the conversation that we want to have you bring, as well as Alex Dietrich and, and uh, uh, Red, uh, Reverend Sadler um, in three different panels. So after an opening of a prominent by a prominent civil rights leader, uh, and also, uh, uh, I'll keep going here. We're going to have, um, you're going to make some, some comments as well at the beginning, again, addressing your own experience of, of radical empathy, intentional listening through a secular spiritual perspective. We want to hear your thoughts. Uh, Rodney's going to do much the same. He himself is a cleric. So we want to hear his perspective from a, 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 a Christian as well as academic perspective. And Alex, who does not identify uh, with the faith community, um, she's going to bring a a um, uh, 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 a millennial perspective. She's 25 years of age as Alex. Um, she will be uh, speaking from her own perspective and running the first panel. The first panel that she'll be doing will focus on communications, training and framing from an inner spiritual focus. Like, How can we communicate better with one another? How can we listen more effectively and intentionally? So that's the first panel. The second one that Rodney will be facilitating is entitled Interspirituality and Justice for All, the title of the actual event. And here he's going to bring in numerous faith leaders from different communities, uh, uh, Christian, Muslim, um, uh, uh, Jewish, uh, uh, and he's going to put together a panel of faith leaders and have that conversation about what it means to think in terms of interspirituality and justice for all from a faith perspective. And then your panel that that we're going to be working on putting together will be entitled interspirituality and intersectionality, which means that your focus, your panel will revolve around some combination of of, of topics, political topics, environmental justice, racial justice, disability rights, whatever it is that you and your panelists want to want to focus in on. The idea here is to connect our issues, our justice issues, at the same time that we're bringing this interspiritual focus. In other words, connecting not just our brains, 
but also our spirits to the work that we do so that we're, again, much more empathetic. We're much more uh, intentional in our listening and connecting and communicating, similar to the, the kickoff with Alex and what Egbert and what um, uh, Rodney's doing. And so the idea here is just to, is to bring that together, that connection of uh, interspirituality, faith and issues. So that's the rundown of the program. I hope that's been helpful. I mean, that is, that is great because, I mean, I think that is, you know, you made an important point, and that is we have to talk to each other. We are going to what they depend on, Chuck, is they depend on something you mentioned earlier, right? Uh, that there, there's some there's some uh, there's a dissension between, let's say, those on the left and some in the some people who are evangelicals or whatever. We have they they need that dissension among those people so that they can really affect all the screwing that they affect on us. If oh, yeah. we can so learn to come together, which Absolutely. is what your panel, the, the different panels that you're putting together is talking about, then we can actually sit down and say, these are our commonalities and these are things that uh, we can work towards. I don't have to, I don't have to worship the way you worship. I don't have to put my pants on exactly as you do or the same color that you do. But, there's so much more that we have in common. And it's a cliche, but it is so true. 100%, 100%. That's what the billionaire class, and we're going we're gonna to call it out for what it is. The billionaire class that I write about, you write about, you talk about, it's the billionaire class who are funding and fueling white supremacy, funding and fueling religious nationalism, and... And they've, and they've also captured our political system, by and large, in the form of this merger of state and corporate interests. This is exactly what Benito Mussolini talked about, the founder yeah. of fascism. So it's, those are the three cornerstones, religious nationalism, white nationalism, and state corporatism. And that's what the billionaire class has done, is that they have, they've captured our economic system. They've captured our politics, by and large. They've captured our culture, right? Is that that what they're doing here is they're what they're waging culture wars, and that's what largely keeps us divided and conquered, right? That's what keeps us from talking to one another because of people like you know Ron DeSantis who's out there screaming about you know Disney and wokeism and all this other crap. But it, what it's designed to do again is to keep people fearful of one another, hating one another, and divided against one another. Meanwhile. They're picking our pockets. <laughs> Meanwhile, they're they're stealing our democracy, right? This is this is what we face, and this is what our the, this conference is designed to do: is to intentionally bring us back together to recognize what we're facing, and to overcome it by bringing ourselves together based on our common shared values. And the other thing, the last thing I'll say here is is that to your point, we don't have to agree on everything. But it's critically important that we understand each other, because once we understand each other, then the empathy begins to grow. Then we say, I understand you, brother, sister. Uh, we don't agree, but at least I now understand why you think the way that you do, why you act the way that you do. But once they once they're heard, right, once they're given validation, suddenly they soften their resistance they, to you and, and they now their ears open you. up. They don't, they don't look at you as somebody with horns. They right. don't hate you. They just look at, 
just like you have a disagreement with your wife. Now, Chuck, uh, we're coming down on time here. So let me ask you again, how can people be a part of this conference? Because I want my audience, your audience, or anybody that's picking this up on podcasts, etc., to say, yes, I am going to go to your conference on February 18th, because this is what we have to do as a society. How do they get there? And by the way, folks, before, before uh, Chuck says this, this podcast will be in effect before the conference and after the conference. And remember that everything that Chuck discusses at that conference, we will have available as well after the conference. Go ahead, Chuck. Yeah, 100%. And look, I, I just want to make it clear that, you know, I'm here to facilitate, you know, I'm the older white guy and there's no apologies for that. But the reality is, is that I want to do all I can to bring forward voices that have been largely marginalized through our history. And this is how we build the political power. This is how we build the trust. This is how we build the relationships. So the get information, go to onepayerstates.org. You can just register right on our website, one payer. O-E-N or O-N-E-P-A-Y-E-R states, S-T-A-T-E-S dot org. Or you can go to justiceforall.global. You can register in either of those places. And it's again, it's virtual. So you don't have to travel. It's free and it's fun. We're going to bring music into the events. We're going to celebrate what it is that we have accomplished because we are moving in the right direction. People just aren't paying attention. Like, uh, you know, the, the, the phrase goes, right, the revolution will not be televised, but it will be Zoomed. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Dr. Chuck Benacchio, founder and president of One Pair States and founder of uh, Justice for All Network. Thank you so kindly for being once again on Politics and Right, my brother. And thank you so kindly for the work that you do, because without many of you doing that kind of work, we don't stand a chance. Thank you, my brother. Thank you. We spent, love that guy. Love that guy. We also met at Netroots Nation where we went through some other things that he, uh, other conferences that he was having. Uh, let's see. Yvette, Avery Harrod says, great interview. Fisher, let's see. Oh, we realize it's Fisher Woman. Hello, Fisher Woman. She says, what you guys fail to realize is many today for many reasons are incapable of empathy. May I push back a bit? I think we have been taught to disregard that human part of us that actually tries to see through others' eyes, try to feel, you know, the one thing that drives me crazy, I'm not a woman, right? And uh, you would have women come and say, you just don't know how that feel. And, you know, as from the point of view of a woman, I can't know what something feels or, 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 you know, for many other attributes. But the one thing that I want to know is I know what feeling bad is all about. And I know what feeling abused is all about. And I know what feeling taken advantage of feels like. So I can empathize with anybody who is going through something. It's not, it may, the feelings may not be quite the same. But it's beginning to understand that it's not normal. And that's where we got to get. What's been taught from the Powell Manifesto and on is to disregard your humanity. You know, you remember in those days when people would stand up in the South or wherever, not only in the South, actually, and, and use the lynching of folks as sports, right? As a sport. And, you know, I, I, 
they learned how to enjoy it. It's it's like right now all the mass killings that's occurring right now, and I, I mentioned this one on my KPFT show. It is almost like people have not realized how bad it is. They're, they, they're so used to it. It's the erosion of one's empathetic muscle. And what we try to do is rebuild that and, and do whatever it takes to rebuild that. I, and let me give a little quick personal story. I went to the University of Texas and a lot of bad things I've written in my book, uh, um, uh, the tribulations of a what is it called? The tribulations of a uh, Afro Latino Caribbean man. I kept my smile. One of the the things that got to me is the amount of stuff that you, that I've gone through in and I've told in this book. I've told all the stories, right? The amount of things that I've gone through as a black man, a Latino man, as a Caribbean man, has been rough. But I keep my smile on, and I continue to have the ability. To love everybody, but let me tell you what what I had to to do not to start hating folk that have done bad things, right? I, if you notice, a lot of times I call everybody my brother, my sister, my good friend, etc., etc., etc. All of that is by design. It is a way of teaching myself that. I shouldn't be hurting on others. I shouldn't be hating on others. Because I couldn't, I love my sis. I have two sisters. I love my sisters, right? There's no, there's nothing that can happen to break that love between myself and my sisters. So when I equate all of the folks that I am involved with as my brothers and sisters, is it in cape it is in cape it's impossible for me then to somehow hate on you that's why folks can come in here uh brother Lido can come in and say the craziest things and he's my brother eric hayes can come and give the misinformation that he gives he's my brother you know it's 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 a way of retraining your mind not to fall for what the capitalist structure has instilled in an antiseptic, inhumane manner of being. And it has to be intentional in the way this is all done. It has to be intentional. All right, I've got another video for you. Uh, this one is the death of the Republican Party. I want you to check this out. And then we'll take it on the other side. But beforehand, I want to welcome the new folks. Yvette Avery Herod is in the house. I don't think I saluted you before, Yvette. And let's see if I, I, I saw some. And we have Kathy Courtney. Yes, Kathy. I know about the Medicare issue. First of all, Kathy Courtney is a stalwart. She is a warrior. Of a Medicare for all warrior. A healthcare for all warrior. Everything trying to ensure that we don't allow the right to pilfer us, taking Medicare and all these other programs away. Thank you for what you do, my friend. Daniel Edo says, so the fake familiarity of Egberto is calculated and not genuine. No, it is genuine. 
It is genuine. Of course it's genuine. How can it not be genuine if I am the one who did it? Come on, brother. What a world, what a world, according to Bruce Pollard. Bruce, welcome aboard, my brother. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Fisherwoman. Uh, what? No, is it Fisherwoman? How do you say that? But I, 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 like, I like what you did with the why. It is Fisherwoman. You're going to have to tell me something about that some other time. But anyhow, let's go ahead and get the video going. And then we'll take it on the other side. This was a good one. From both Nicole Wallace and Matthew Dowd. Nicole Wallace said, uh, pretty much the Republican Party is dead. It's like dead men walking. You remember that movie, The Sixth Sense, I believe it was called? They didn't quite know they were dead yet, but in fact, they were. This is a perfect instantiation of that. But then Matthew Dowd got a, a bit deeper in explaining exactly what's happening to the Republican Party. I want you to listen to this, and then we'll go ahead and take it on the other side. I think Matt Dowd, and he just articulated better than I could how the Republican Party died. And they may not know they're dead, but, you know, it's like the little boy in the sixth sense. They're walking around, they're dead, they just don't know it. And they died, not because Donald Trump killed it, but because Mitch McConnell and Rob Portman and Richard Burr and all those people said and did nothing. They watched him talk about good people on both sides of a KKK rally. They, they saw him talk about grabbing women between the legs and they didn't withdraw their endorsements. They didn't refuse to go to the White House when they had legislation and common interests. They didn't refuse to endorse him for a second term. Most of them voted for him again. After he'd already been talking about a rigged election and was running for a second term that they knew was a calamity. What do we do about the epidemic of good people saying and doing nothing? Well, you know, the old Republican Party died, but what's surfaced now is a you know new version of the Know Nothing Party, basically. And it has very strong emotional appeals to various segments of our society. And we can't, you know, overlook that or deny that, especially among especially among unfortunately white working class voters in this country and in citizens in this country. To me, we are at this and and, and I know Eddie and I've had conversations around this, we're at this precipice today that unlike where we've been in our country's history. And think about it this way. For 200 years, the American narrative was, de was defined by one culture, right? For 200, over 200 years, it was defined by one culture. It left some people out, but it was basically definitional of America is defined in one culture. And that culture was white, male, Christian, heterosexual, Right. That was the and those people that that held that demographic held 95 percent of the power in our country for 200 years. Right. And so what we're seeing today is Ron DeSantis represents this fear that is placed in a minority of America, a sizable minority, that that culture is gone. Right. That 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 culture as the dominant culture of America is no longer exists. And what they're struggling with today is they think there needs to be culture linked with democracy. One culture linked with democracy. That's what they believe. They think the definition of America is that culture linked with democracy. And they don't have a vision that a democracy can exist with multi cultures. 
with many cultures, that where we respect the dignity of all, that we give freedom and equality of all. And that's the problem that they have. They do not think that America can be defined separate from that culture that was dominant over America for 200 years. And that appeals to fears in American society of loss of power and all of those sorts of things. And what I'm struck by as Ron DeSantis keeps making these moves after moves after moves, they appeal to fears, they come from a place of fear, but they're really a sign of weakness if you really think Mm -hmm. about it. They're a real sign of weakness. He doesn't think that sharing knowledge in a diverse way, he he's opposed to sharing knowledge in a diverse way. Why? Because he, for some reason, thinks what he believes in isn't going to no longer be believed in. That people may be exposed to diverse viewpoints, may actually adopt diverse opinions on many things, including multi, the multiplicity of cultures in our country. And that's what I think is fascinating. It really is. People see see Ron DeSantis as others like him as strong, but really they're incredibly weak. They're incredibly weak in that they don't they have to put every block in in place so that nobody can be exposed to any other diverse opinion. And one other thing, I know I went on a little bit. The other thing that that sort of bugs me about this is that this is a person and this is a group of people that claim pro freedom, pro life and pro constitution. And that their decisions they've been made that have been made over the last few years have had nothing to do with freedom. They don't believe in freedom of thought. They don't believe in freedom of businesses to make decisions as what he did with Disney and other companies. They don't, they're not pro-life. They're not pro-life. He's the one that didn't want to do anything on COVID. He didn't care. He wanted to do nothing on COVID and he wants to do nothing on guns. So it's a party and a movement that was defined as pro-constitution, pro-life and pro-freedom. And they're none of those things, but it all comes down to that really at the basis of it is they know that the dominant culture of America no longer is the majority of America. And they can't grapple with an America that is multicultural. Now tell me if Matthew Dowd's explanation wasn't like um, the perfect analysis of what's going on in the minds of those who just can't see themselves in a society where we are all equal, have all equal access to success. Think about what he said. They just can't fathom that they will be on an equal playing field as everyone else instead of giving a false leap ahead instead of giving the ability to take off before everybody, instead of having the ability to have it all. It's amazing. They nailed it. Yes, they nailed it. Yes, they nailed it. Okay, let me go to the commentary now to get busy with, let's see uh, what we got here. Lee Grant says, socialized healthcare is just a start for progressive Next thing you know, it will be energy, food, transportation, etc. Well, I'm for energy socialization. As far as food socialization, no, I, I'm for what in in, um, uh, in Panama we'd call una, ba- una bolsa basica. And what that means is we are humane people. Uh, whether you are a bomb or, a, a, or a, a somebody who wants to work a lot, you're a human being. So we believe in a basic level of support from society. Okay, and it's known as, as something that we call, and it lets society 
work as well. It's called the, the basic income. So yes, we support things like the basic income. But there are things in the comments, uh, my brother um, Lee Grant, that shouldn't be in the free enterprise. Let's give a good example. I like I beat up on oil for one specific reason. And whenever I talk about oil, I'm also talking about mining, okay? Let's give an example. Uh, you go ahead and put uh, some company figured out how to go deep into a hole that into part of the land that you own. We, we, we don't even need to go into the ownership kind of behavior and land yet, but the land that you own, drill, and all the petroleum that comes out of that belongs to the people who found the petroleum on private land, and you get a royalty for them taking it and making a killing out of it, okay? Let's pause for a minute. Now, there's also public lands, lands that we own as a country. And, uh, you know, you put a, a pipe in the hole, you drill, you pull out a lot of oil. These guys not only, uh, they pay a small royalty, but then they get these things known as the depletion allowance. I'm not sure if it still if the, uh, the tax break is still there, but I'm, I'm pretty sure similar tax breaks are still there. In other words, you are taking out of the ground oil that you had nothing to do with to put there. Your technology is the only thing that was developed to pull the oil out. And then you get a tax break because the, the supply that you're pulling out, given that you've taken out supply, it's depleted. So you get a depletion allowance. I mean, the, the ridiculousness of our system when people defend these guys by calling it, yeah, we have socialism right now for the wealthy, for the corporations. So yes, no, I want the energy sector socialized, uh, Brother Grant. Yes, I do. A lot of the discoveries are done by research, done, created by engineers and scientists, trained by whom again? By you, by we the people. So don't look at the engineers who've developed how to go deep into the ground, deep under sea, and say, oh, it's a private sector who had the innovation to develop that. That's bull. The innovation came from the universities who trained a mind that could go and work for a corporation at a discount for the things that they get. And then they exploit a resource that they profit from that should belong to all of us all. And when I say all of us, I mean everybody. And, and you can call it whatever you will, but even Alaska, when they built and drilled the pipeline, every single Alaskan get a check because of the resources in Alaska that's drilled. So yes, Brother Grant, I do want to socialize healthcare. I do want to socialize energy, I do want to socialize certain aspects of nutrition. And note what I said, certain aspects of nutrition. And then I want to leave within the private sector, within the free enterprise, all the places where folks can innovate to create things that people have a choice. I have a choice to eat a pizza or not. I have a choice. That is where real capitalism can work, where you have a choice. But you don't have a choice for healthcare. You don't have a choice for many things. And that does not belong in under the control, the inhumane control of an economic system whose sole purpose is to make a profit for a few. Mike Cisak says the joke Native Americans make is if you're sick, it's better to early to be early in the year. Wow, I'm not sure what you're talking about there, but I know I must have missed something up front. 
When Medicare Advantage gets about 55 to 60% of Medicare recipients, GOP will put up legislation to privatize Medicare. I justify that by saying people have voted with their pocketbooks to accept private Medicare servicing instead of government Medicare servicing. And it's a big fraud, right? Because the reason it went to the government in the first place is that they knew it was more expensive to insure older people and it would it would skew the, the premiums, etc. So they said, no, 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 we want to have healthy premiums that people are going to want. So let's throw old people onto the government. And now that the government is paying the bill for the old folks after collecting years and years of Medicare uh, costs, they want it back, but at a premium. So Medicare Advantage bills the government more per person than standard Medicare. It's a sham. And those of you who complain about socialism should look at it as socialism for the few. Uh, Diana Carp, I don't think I saluted you. Welcome aboard. We need to make the IHS better, not just as if it is an excuse not to have universal health care. What we need is health care for all, Diana Carp. So I think I agree with you there. Uh, do not, E2247 gives a command that I agree with. Do not accept by any means private Medicare servicing by Medicare Advantage. It's a theft. I agree 100%. Mike Cisak says political leftists have said the C-19 vax came out, said healthcare funds should be blocked to those who didn't take the vax and injustice via money. I think Bridge MCP uh, went ahead and fact-checked you on, some, on that or something else, something similar. Lee Grant says secular spiritualism. Where do these spirits come from? Spiritualism is, well... I think you understand that. I think you're, you're trolling us there, Brother Grant, so don't do that. Uh, Kathy Courtney says, thank you for spotlighting this ridiculous privatization, our uh, privatizing our public health insurance program. We don't need it privatized. In fact, we need private health care insurance abolished. It should be illegal because it is nothing more than theft of our commons. Uh, Kathy also says... Uh, I have been forced to use OTC Network to purchase any over-the-counter uh, products and thus open my private info to big pharma and grocers to spam me and solicitations. It's amazing. Yeah, they sell your data. Uh, Paul Fleming Sr. says, It's amazing how fast the black cops were arrested in the killing of a black man in Tennessee, a good thing, versus the white cops that killed George Floyd, a bad thing. And I think I alluded to that, uh, alluded to that earlier today. What the way the way the black form the black cops were treated was the way they should have been treated. Immediately thrown in jail for beating the holy crap out of a, of somebody that didn't deserve it. The problem is in America, uh, we don't get the equitable treatment in our criminal justice system. In fact, I, 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 I sent out a tweet soon after that, right? And in that tweet I said, let's see if I can find that tweet. Uh, I'll probably be able to find that tweet if I scroll down fast enough. But, you know, it, it, it is shameful that that is so true, right? These guys got arrested right away. They, they decided to behave like the other cops. What they don't realize is that we have two justice systems in America. And they're about to find out how fast this justice system 
is going to eat them alive. And good for them. I just wished it occur for, all, for everybody that way. I said, the, the tweet that I sent out said the following. I want to play the tweet for you guys. It said, Black police officers adapting the behavior of their racist white counterparts will learn that the dual criminal justice system will treat them not as privileged cops, but via race-based justice. And that is why Tyree Nichols will be vindicated unlike others. So whereas we've been saying a long time, you know, folks who got beat up by the cops don't get vindicated. Oh, we can rest assured. The parents of Tyree can rest assured. His death will be vindicated. His death will be vindicated. All right. Um, let's see what else I got here. Rip. Uh, what a world, what a world, according to Bruce. We need more warriors, Kathy Courtney says. Bridge MCP says, Egberto, women is a feminist spelling of woman. See what I tell you, I have the smartest people. I just learned something I didn't know. Daniel Ledo says, yes, America should only have one culture. Immigrants should be assimilated into that culture. Children should be indoctrinated in that culture. That culture should be the one with bravery to found the, the bravery to found this nation on liberty. Multiculturalism is chaos. First of all, this country was not founded on liberty. That is a that is a uh, <laughs> the Ron DeSantis wishful thinking. And which which culture? I mean, even in in what people call as the Western culture, there's no real Western culture because there's a whole lot of different cultures in here. So what do you know? You talk about American American culture is infused with a whole lot of different things. So, Mr. Ledo, I suggest you take a class in history and civics because that is how, my brother, you will learn that that statement really has no validity at all. Uh, <laughs> let's see what else we got here. And maybe it's the, the, the indigenous should come out and say, no, no, you're going to adapt to our culture. You're going to treat the environment the way we did instead of what you're doing to it right now. Lee Grant says the left is very scared of Ron DeSantis. No, Ron DeSantis is very scared of the left. He's scared of education. He's scared of teaching. He's scared of people being smart. Can't help him. Uh, let's see what else. Robert Davenport says, where before Paul Fleming says American Indian history isn't taught either. Why? Again, that you can answer that, right? Uh, let's see. Robert Davenport says Republicans have amputated their empathy for human beings that do not look like them, worship like them, or vote like them. Do not expect them to ever return to the ways of decent humanity. And that's why the, the human ones are leaving the party. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see what else we got here. I am well. Uh, I am well, Maywood. That's a conversation before. Okay, there we go. Daniel says, if you support a basic income, a basic level of support for every breathing body, do you also support society telling you you can't have children? Society, government will decide that. No, no, you can. No, we, we, we decide what the laws are going to be, Daniel. Don't play yourself so cheap. Tom C. says, instead of melting pot, I prefer Egberto's metaphor. America is a multicultural salad. It is. It's a salsa. We, the people, are e pluribus unum in our support of the Constitution 
and defense of democracy. I don't want to have my Italian food mixed up with my Chinese food mixed up with my Mexican food. Some days I want Mexican, some day I want Italian, some day I want Irish, some day I want I want soul food, some day I want African food, some day I even want some fufu. I like that. Thank you for for pointing that out, Tom C. Uh, Kathy Courtney says, everybody needs health care, which should not be profit-making. Exactly. Amen. Amen. You're right. And Peggy Lopez says, I should be only watching you in place of trying to deal with having my medical privatized and responding to the lying letters I'm receiving from the private company handling privatization. I sh yes, ma'am. Always. And remember to tell everybody, do not fall for the lies. Interspecies is balanced. The GOP is opposed to both interspecies and intraspecies, causing deaths through climate change to all life and disallowing the development of democracy. Intraspecies balance. Oh, that's powerful. Bridge says, being the spoiled child all your life, white guy, and then having the rug pulled out will make you scared and angry. Too bad. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Egberto Willis, Irish don't have food. Girl, I like my green beer. Don't tell me Irish don't have food, girl. You may be Irish, but I've drunk my green beer on St. Patrick's Day now. So, por favor, mujer, no me digas que, el, que los irlandeses no tienen su propia comida. No me digas que los irlandeses no tienen su propia cuisina. Que sí lo tienen. Mike Cisak says, sadly, Egberto... Sadly, Egberto says he's all for private marketplace, but then constantly wants to do away with it. Rather, he wants a few powerful people in government dictating with a monopoly. No, government cannot be a monopoly. That is where they've lied to you. Again, you see how, you see how lies get spread? The government monopoly. Government cannot be a monopoly. Government is we the people. We are all a piece of government. It cannot be a monopoly. You see how the right wing has trained you to hurt yourself? Come on now. Come on. The government can never ever be a monopoly. It's after time. I don't have the time to do my ask, so I'm going to put one link in there and ask you to support our program the best you can. Uh, please go to politicsdoneright.com support and put in the link in there. Support us the best that you can. We have many options in there. Anyway, I got to get out of here. Thank you guys for being here. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right, and you guys know how I end this. Baby, I am what? Out. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.